As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is presented in part by Portatree. Hopefully many of you participated in the off-season practice tree challenge. Portatree's support of the challenge has been tremendous. They are the go-to for all of your practice tree needs. Use the code SPRING10 for 10% off with Portatree. In addition, today's podcast is presented by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. This week on What Everyone is Talking About. All right, cool hand. There's a lot on the table this week. A lot of stuff to talk about, some racing results, some things we don't like to talk about. But, you know, we kind of cover the racing scene, so we have to talk about a little bit of everything. But was uh, a little more racing than we're used to this past weekend. Yeah, that's good stuff. Just as a warning, I guess, for those of you tuning in, which at this point, if you've hit play, you've seen how long this episode is. This one might get lengthy. We got a lot to yeah. get to. I think it's going to be a good time, though. Like you said, uh, race results, NHRA, Division Two, the Baby Gators. As we discussed last week, did take place down in Gainesville. Some not good news to come out of there that we will get to. But the good news for me, we had a Team Luke sighting. Team Luke. Oh, yeah. Sandy Wilkins with the WN Top Sportsman. Yeah, Sandy gets you another win there. And uh, you're riding that horse two years in a row. But Team Jed had a good outing as well. My Alabama boy, Jeff Strickland, gets the win in the Stock Eliminator Camaro, so that was a good outing for him and Team Jed, so we matched you there. 
It's really good, but look, uh, some not so good stuff to report from there as well. Yeah, friend of the podcast, my boy KB had a rough outing. To this point in KB's 2018 top dragster career, I think he's been on the track like seven times, or should I say staged seven times. I believe he's broken two planetaries. He's had the pistons out, and at Gainesville, he crashed. Pretty good. Several barrel rolls in his top dragster machine. Thankfully, it was early in the run. It looked maybe just past the gear change. Now, granted, he is going six O's, so early in the run, you still gaining quite a bit of momentum as the video footage showed. Oh, yeah. It was a surreal scene, Jed. It kind of reminded me of your scene at I-57. In, like, you could see it coming, coming across, digging in, mm. getting up, and it just made this slow, gentle roll. And then it's like the car realized it was going over 100 mile an hour, and it just hopped up and like violently rolled three more times. But luckily for Kevin, didn't hit a guardrail. Just barrel rolled. And, and amazingly enough, obviously, I've got some inside information here. First off, most important, KB looked like he was out of the car before it stopped moving. He, he got yeah. out of there quick. Uh, he's fine. Obviously, a little bit sore, nothing major. But luckily, the, the best case scenario from this, took the car back to the guys at Maddox Race Cars. Keep in mind, that was a brand new car at the beginning of the year. So it had like seven runs on it, literally. Yeah. Um, but got really fortunate. He actually texted me the picture this morning of what they had to cut off of it. And it was literally like the front three feet of the car. And they knocked a spindle awesome. off of it. They were putting a new front cap on it, basically. The X-Link was cracked in the back, so we a new X-Link. And obviously, scoop wings, wheels. You know, It's not like he got through unscathed, but the, the stuff that's hard to fix is going to be fairly easy to fix. And he'll be back at it in top dragster, I would assume, in fairly short order. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a bad deal, but KB was in good spirits. As you said, he got out early, and uh, we texted back and forth a little as well. And his attitude, like always, was very good. Very fortunate that the Maddox chassis did its job, kept him safe, and his safety gear worked as expected. So good for KB, and I know the boys at Maddox would get him fixed back up in a hurry and, and get him back out on the scene. Uh, Luke, that wasn't the only uh, accident down there, unfortunately. Bruce Thrift, as you know, uh, got a little crossed up in the left lane in one of his top sportsman runs, and it swapped lanes with him, got on the lid. We were trying to verify exactly what happened. I watched the video. It looked like it drove a little left when he left the starting line, and you know when those things finally do grab something tight, you never really know which way they're going to go, and it turned right with Bruce, and um, it was fairly ugly video but uh, i understand that the damage could have been way worse and i think bruce would get back out fairly quickly as well yeah another one that looked a lot scarier than it ended up being you get to go in that fast and you start tumbling it's gonna look awful <laughs> yeah but uh, i had actually i'd meant to call bruce today didn't get to it just to check on him he's an old buddy of mine that has uh, I've driven for bruce in the past super good guy but as you said i know he came out of it out of it unscathed got to looking around on a little bit of his facebook posts obviously his beautiful gto will need a new body new paint but beyond that it didn't look like it did a ton of damage structurally either so without question it won't be too long and uh, and bruce will be back at it doing what he loves and what we love to see him do yeah one other brief note I wanted to mention from Gainesville. Again, we're not going to go through the results bit by bit, and this show's length will explain why. But one that jumped out to me, we talked about Anthony Bertozzi, who was actually one of my nominees for the Hall of Fame inductees. AB making me look 
better as we go. He won Superstock at Orlando at the first Division Two event. He followed that up with a win in Top Dragster in Gainesville over the weekend. So two NHRA Division Two events, two Baby Wallies for AB. Yep, AB getting it done again. Uh, no surprise there. The the many time world champion showing he still got it. He looks good and he races good. So good job to you, Antoine. Nice work. Luke, we'll go back across country, Tucson, where um, our buddy Chris Forsyth was uh, having his big bucks race there in Arizona. Friend of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Forsyth, uh, six-minute abs, definitely a friend of the podcast. Great to see him have a successful event out there at Tucson, where uh, another buddy of ours got things started off pretty well in their $5,000-to-win warm-up race, and that was Sneaky Pete. Friend of the podcast. This one's in blue, Jed, but I'll let you take it. I'm a little out of the loop. I know Peter won the five grander to kick off the weekend. I believe he's also runner up in the Sunday 10 grander. Won the weekend points. And surprise, surprise, he is Peter Biondo. This was in a car that he had never set in prior to the weekend. It was Justin Lamb's gray race tech dragster that Kyle Seipel typically competes in. Yep. Uh, Peter had not driven that car previously, but, you know, no offense. I know a lot of listeners like those dragsters, but it's a dragster. So if you've set in one, you've set in all of them, I think. So no big deal there. It ain't like real racing in a door car, but congratulations to Peter. Great weekend for him. Luke, did you say anything? Did I miss something? Was I muted there? I must have been. (laughs) So uh, let, let's just let's let's just back up just a little bit here. Hey, um, man, now don't don't make me look dumb, okay? Let's just... I won't do that to you. Say what you want, dragster, okay. dragster. Okay, that's fine. But just as if we need to reiterate the greatness that is Peter Biondo. We talked about him last year, and like he goes racing like once every two months, seemingly, <laughs> yeah. and um and picked up like two wallies last year, and then showed up at the SFG race at Darlington in November. Is that right? I believe that is correct. Okay. And like, I know that it would be hyperbole to say that it was the first time that he bracket raced all year, but he hadn't bracket raced much all year and just kind of, oh, dum-de-dum, what do you do? Win a 30 grander and run it up a hundred grander? Yeah, something like so that. Just as a gentle reminder, like, okay, he's pretty good at this. And then I assume has not strapped into a race car since then. That's uh, three, four months ago. Flies across country to drive a car that he's never set in. And what's he do? Just kind of dominates the weekend, wins a five, runners up a 10, wins the weekend points. Pretty impressive. Yeah, Sneaky Pete is always very impressive, and uh, I certainly didn't mean to diminish that. But when it's in a dragster, I mean, when he wins in like a super stock or stock or something like that, I, I don't know, I just feel better about it. But when he went in a dragster, you know, I'm, I lose a little bit, but I know it was very impressive and something that I couldn't do, so... Great job, Peter. We love you. Justin Lamb, however, was in a door car, and his bottom bulb $10,000 win, another big win on his list, especially in the last, I guess now, 12 to 14 months. This guy's just been on fire, and he does it once again in the $10,000 shootout on the bottom bulb out there in Tucson. So congratulations to Justin and Stan Essery. Got the win over Vince Garreau in the $10,000 top bulb shootout. So, looked like they had a lot of good race. And I think rain, which is very non-typical. Yeah, that's in the desert. Yeah, they don't see much rain. But I was watching the golf tournament out there, and I think they got, or I think there was a golf tournament, got a little rain out there. And then obviously the racing was affected too. But 
all in all, it looked like Forsyth had a wonderful event out there in Tucson, and I've seen nothing but praise from the people that attended it. So another job well done by Six Minute Abs. Congratulations <laughs> to those winners and promoters. Yeah, good to see uh, another successful bracket event on the left coast. That stuff seems to be gaining traction in that part of the country, yeah. and that's good for all of us. All right, so we talked about Peter, we talked about Justin, and how good a weekend that team had. Obviously, our buddy Kyle Seipel will take all the credit for that, because that's what he does, <laughs> even though he didn't actually win. But Kyle is kind of the subject of our next conversation, and Jed, I'm going to let you roll with this. You paid a little bit closer attention to this than I did, but, but Kyle and, and Duck, God, they got into it a little bit over the week. Yeah, they did. Um, you know, and I wasn't in the middle of it until I foolishly put myself in the middle of it, just really got tired of sometimes I just can't not say something Luke you know what I mean so watch the the interaction between Kyle Seipel and Donald Long known as Duck that promotes the the lights out and no mercy events and now he's got the sweet 16 coming up where basically he's got the fastest heads up guys on radial tires and then you got radial versus the world and all the other classes they run well Duck is the promoter of promoters among those enthusiasts that like the heads up stuff. Obviously, Kyle Seipel is uh, one of the most successful promoters on the bracket scene. And Kyle, I don't think, was doing it boasting it. I think it was just more proud that he has uh, his events, he and Peter Biondo's fling events, boast the largest guaranteed purse, which is the Spring Fling Million in Vegas, of any race basically on the planet. The largest guaranteed purse, and that's two hundred thousand to win, as you know, guaranteed. And then it goes on from there, and it's going to be more than that when it's all said and done. But guess Duck took exception to it, and uh, kind of called out the bracket racing scene, basically talking about how bracket racers go down and jam on their brakes and all these other things. He was saying, kind of tearing down the bracket racing scene. And then talking about how his race pays $101,000 to the winner, uh, guaranteed, which is the entire purse for his Sweet 16 event, by the way. It's the winner's purse. It's also the entire purse. I don't really know why he would bring the money into play because and I, when it finally got to a point where I couldn't take it anymore, I posted on social media on the topic where he was talking about how a $200,000 Winner's purse is not guaranteed because you're paying them with a check, but his is guaranteed because he's paying with cash, and you couldn't buy a hamburger on the way home with that check. I just posted, I'm no math major, but I would take a $200,000 check over $101,000 in cash any day, knowing it's good. My memory and my math works right. That is $99,000 more that I would have in my pocket. <laughs> so, <laughs> And I would feel a lot better about getting home with it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you and me both. I think somebody actually posted that, too. I would somebody want to leave with 101000 in cash. But, uh, you know, they talked about how bracket racers split the purse. And, you know, we're known for doing that. And that these million-dollar races are split at 32 cars and are split 32 ways. And... Again, I posted fact there that, uh, fortunately or unfortunately for me, I was inside of 32 at both of the the million-dollar races, and I did not make the split either time. So that was not factual either. 
which sucks for me, but nonetheless was not fact, and he deleted my post. Uh, so the guy, obviously, again, I posted lately that it'd be a simple-minded person that couldn't figure out what this is about. It's just promotion. Duck is very good at that. He's just promoting his events, making sure people's talking about it. But I don't think he had to tear down bracket racing to get it done. So Kyle, I think, handled himself pretty well. He said his piece and stayed quiet and let us step in there and try to handle it for him. But it was uh, it's really just a ridiculous thing, the way that Duck tried to tear down our racing. Guy's really good at what he does. He is probably <laughs> the best at what he does. And he just needs to do his thing, let us do our thing, and, and we'll coexist. Yeah, I think you covered that really well. Two thoughts come to mind for me. Number one, you're right. He knows exactly what he's doing. And there is no better way to stir up a couple of hundred comments, a couple of hundred shares, and really promote your race for free than to attack bracket racers because you know that we'll stand up for ourselves. Right? And and I think that's ultimately what's behind this for, for Duck. And like you say, like the basis of this is dumb. Like you're arguing about the biggest total purse when the guaranteed purse with the million doubles your biggest guaranteed purse. Like what exactly is the argument? And yeah. to the to the point of splitting, as you said, this race that he's putting on is a hundred grand or a hundred and one thousand dollars to win, winner take all. So we're gonna assume that that doesn't get split, which A, I don't completely buy. And B, like there's plenty of racers that will say, well, I'll never split. There's plenty of bracket racers that say that until they're in that spot where there's $400,000 in the pot with 10 of you left. And if you lose right now, you get like three grand. (laughs) Tell me you're not going to split then. It Um, gets real then. Yeah, right. Let's let's put your money where your mouth is. And just case in point to defend what you said earlier, I did win the Spring Fling Million last year. We did split fairly early. I walked out of there with as much money as the Sweet 16 winner is going to get. It wasn't cash, but believe me, I felt a lot better about bringing that check back to Illinois. So, Not too bad. That's all. That's all. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, it, we could talk <laughs> about it the rest of the show. We've got a lot to cover, but, you know, again, just need to coexist. They do their thing, we do ours, and, and everybody gets a place to go race. But That was that, Facebook yeah. drama. That was not the only Facebook drama. This, like, I just saw this today, and I was... Yeah laughing and then i was like kind of scared because maybe i shouldn't have been laughing like how do you take this cummings ezel thing have you seen this i have seen it and oh. i don't i don't really know i want to i want to text brit or, or, or get with johnny and and see how real it is but man is it they're starting to take a little personal turn and uh, i'm not sure if it didn't start out a little friendly but getting ugly as we go <laughs> uh, for those of you that have missed it, you can find this. This is on the Great American Bracket Race Facebook page, right? This is where this started? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I don't know where it started. I just saw Johnny's reply today. Yeah, so I-, I think this started with Britt making a video for the Great American Bracket Race Facebook page in which he started off telling us a little bit how the Dream Team race is going to shake down. They touched on the All-State race a little bit, some of the format changes. And then he just kind of out of the blue ended up with, I'm going to call somebody out. And he called out Johnny Ezell. And it got a little personal. Not bad. But uh, Britt was basically like, look, they say you're the best. I've watched your race coming up. I don't know that he was like necessarily disrespectful in tone. And he did say several times, like, look, I just I want to measure myself. I want to see where I'm at. I'm calling you out. You and me, 
what was it? Uh, five head-to-head matchups for five hundred yep. bucks a piece. Yep. I and I, I, I didn't even see this when it posted. And honestly, if I had, I wouldn't have expected it to go any further. Just knowing Johnny's personality. But right. go further, it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, you know, Johnny had his reply, and I've known Johnny a little while. He's a man of few words. We tried to get him to come on the podcast and discuss his million-dollar win, and his response was, I'll let my racing do the talking. So I would assume that Johnny would handle this in a very similar way. However, there is a post with a lot of wording on it that basically – Tells Britt, I don't think you got much, and we can make this for as much as you want to make it for. Bring it on, and let's do it. Yeah, with some pretty good underhanded nudges in there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, some pretty good underhanded nudges, well said. You know, and, and again, both of them are very accomplished racers. I don't know if how real this is, like we said, but man, if they're going to do it, I'm ready. I want to see it. Oh, I want to I want to be there. Like, I don't even want to be at the finish line. I want to be in the staging lanes because it's going to get better again. Like, yeah, it, <laughs> Mark just uh, just brought something to our attention here as to uh, the extent of Johnny's post. Like, I think Geritol was mentioned. A rotary phone was mentioned saying, <laughs> I, I think trying to infer that Britt may be just a little bit out of his prime. OK, to be clear, both guys friends of the podcast right we're not taking sides sure this is bad to say because i consider johnny and Britt both friends of mine but when i say that like and if you've ever been around either of them for an extended period of time you probably feel the same way like i have no idea how to take either one of these guys right like i read this and i'm like i, I don't really know if there's some legitimate beef here or if this is all kind of a stunt and they're calling each other laughing about it like i don't know <laughs> and I think like a lot of people would say like our sport needs some of this, right? Some controversy, some attention. So it's good for our sport. And I think that's ultimately probably right. But man, this makes me so uncomfortable, Jed. Like, what did you say earlier when we were off air? Yeah, I said it it makes me (laughs) uncomfortable as well. As I was reading through it today, I feel like somebody's watching me read it and they're just waiting on my reaction. And I just (laughs) I actually found myself just trying to be as neutral as I could in my reaction as I was reading. I'm like, man, this is starting to get personal. I mean, it's things you would say to your buddy behind the scenes or sitting in the trailer of the motorhome. stuff We would say about Britt behind his back. Johnny's putting it out there. (laughs) Okay, okay. So they're going to go head to head five races. Like, uh, again, we're not going to pick sides here, but like, is this, is this a one-sided thing? What do you think? You know, it's bracket racing. Heck, anybody can beat anybody best out of five. So I don't know who's got the edge or, or, you know, if you just look at recent results, obviously Johnny would be the, probably the overwhelming pick because it's not Brit's thing these days, but Brit knows his way from stripe to stripe and he knows what to do and he knows how to combat different strategies. So yeah, who knows, who knows what would happen. I I don't think I would put my money on either. Yeah. I'll actually argue with you. I agree. Bracket racing is very random in a one race match. I think you get to best out of five, best out of seven. You ultimately see who's better to, or at least get a little bit better picture of it. And to your point, like, I guess if you were, Las Vegas here stacking odds like Johnny has to be the favorite just based on recent results 
But <laughs> I can say this just because I've raced with Brit for so long. Like, and I get this is the classic like youth and exuberance versus old age and treachery. Like, there is no better example of old age and treachery than Britt Cummings. Like, that is a savvy, <laughs> cagey dude, not just behind the wheel. Like, th- he tends to find ways to succeed in places where you wouldn't expect him to succeed. Like, case in point, and I'm getting way off the subject here, but like, okay, you see Slate, right? Muscled up, big, bad Slate. And you just yeah. assume, man, I don't want no part of that guy. And Slate will be the first to tell you, look, if you're going to pick a fight with me, it ain't me you got to worry about. My brother is mean. You know, I can't whip him. And that's kind of the same thing. Like, I think it translates over to the racetrack. Like, Johnny's awesome. I don't mean to take anything away from him, but like, this ain't going to be a five to nothing shutout. Like, this would be, this would be competitive without question. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, like I said, (laughs) I I think Johnny uses a lot of strategy pretty much every time he goes down the racetrack. And Britt probably could combat that or just make runs somebody can't beat. So you never really know how it'd play out. But if it happens, I'm definitely going to watch and uh, can't wait to see it. And as you mentioned, the old age and treachery, I did watch Slate tell Big Chief at the American Outlaws live event. <laughs> I watched him tell him to his face as Big Chief was saying, and there was a little controversy, and he said, just keep that big guy off of me. And Slate said, I'm not the one you got to worry about. He said, it's just one over here. It looks like his blood pressure is about to blow his hat off. So That, by um, the way, we might have to get that story out on the podcast one time. That's one of my favorite Cummings Boys stories, and you were in the catbird seat. So keep that one in the, in the till. All right, let's go from talking about racing back to, well, talking about racing that actually happened. Um, <laughs> I actually uh, spent the weekend in Reynolds, Georgia. At the SFG event, was at the VP Racing Fuels Racers Appreciation season kickoff for the SFG on track action. Again, we won't go round by round, bit by bit, but the first race of the weekend was won by another name that you might recognize. We talked about Peter Biondo earlier. These kind of go hand in hand to me. Scotty Richardson won the $15,000 warm up race. I believe that was on Thursday night. SR getting it done in a beautiful little S10 pickup that the folks at uh, Strange Engineering and he kind of teamed up on uh got the win over chris reynolds and again just kind of case in point i've said this before on the podcast it's kind of like riding a bike like if you've ever been really good at this we can forget about you for a year or two but you don't forget how to do this and scotty case in point put on a show over the weekend yeah like you talk about how peter doesn't give himself a lot of opportunities but he takes advantage of the ones that he does give himself this is a prime example of that and Scotty not getting on the racetrack and a big buck scene for quite some time. I don't even know how long, but it feels like near a couple of years. I don't know when's the last time he really got out and did this, but um, comes right out of the box and and gets the win there in a, in a tough field, I know. So Scotty proving again that he's definitely one of the top two or three sportsman racers to ever buckle up getting a win over our buddy Chris Reynolds. But the big winner, short of what we'll talk about here in just a little bit, the next big winner, if you will, was Jeffrey Dobbins. Uh, got a $50,000 victory to start his year over uh, Kevin Ryden, our buddy down at K&R Performance. Uh, Dobbins, no stranger to the winner's circle, and uh, this is probably his biggest to date. Yeah, it seems like he won another SFG race somewhere last year. Maybe the last one at Darlington, and I know we won at Spring Fling. Like, this is a young kid that, over the course of the last two years, 
has probably won as much as anybody not named Johnny Ezell. Like he has really made a name for himself, and that was on display at Reynolds. I was one of his victims as he went. Not only did he win the 50 grander, he had two entries in down to like 17 cars, something like that. Like he put on a show all day long. Yeah, it sounds like it. And uh, kudos to Kevin Rodden as well. Uh, I texted a little bit with Jake Hodge earlier, and he told me something pretty cool that I didn't know. And I did see a picture of Kevin's uh, familiar Vega leaving the starting line with the wheels in there, a little twisted. Yeah, but, he had some uh, issues. Yeah, the last three rounds, he said he had something broken back on the rear end. It was letting the car twist a little odd, and it would do a big wheelie and kind of go left, and he had to gather it back up. But he, he fought that for three rounds to get himself to the final. So that was uh, really cool to see Kevin do that. So congratulations to Scotty and Jeffrey. But, yeah. Uh, as someone who has staged up a Vega with literally no idea what direction it was about to go, I have a lot of respect for that. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, those uh, those guys were really hot over the weekend, Luke. But they weren't our choice for who's hot. So uh, let's move in and tell everybody a little bit about who's hot. He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Siebert Performance Who's Hot. Siebert Performance will be running an income tax sale this year. If you buy a 4150 or Dominator, you will receive a billet carb spacer for free. Be sure to take advantage of the tax time sale from now until the end of March. And don't forget Siebert Performance for all of your engine and carburetor needs. Be sure to look them up on Facebook or call 785 785- Two eight six six eight one three. All right, Luke. So we talked about the SFG event at Reynolds, the racer appreciation race at Silver Dollar, and we talked about a fifteen k winner and a fifty k winner. Those guys combined didn't get close to our secret performance. Who's hot this week? No, the event was originally going to be 350s. Uh, There was some weather coming in on Sunday, so the last two got combined into one massive. $100,000 to win event on Saturday night. The winner of which was our Siebert Performance Who's Hot of the Week. Also, our big interview of the week, we'll get to him momentarily, Lane Dickin. Lane, no stranger to the winner's circle, a recent transplant from uh, his hometown in Iowa to the Lebanon, Tennessee area, the Nashville area, um, came out and uh, just kind of rolled through the field down there in Reynolds, picked up 100 grand, knocked off uh, Jason Lynch in the final round, who I got to take a little credit for, like I kind of predicted jason doing good like without mm-hmm. really predicting it like i said i don't know anybody that's going to reynolds other than jason lynch but that's too obvious and then i picked somebody else but i mentioned him like i should get some credit that that scores points you get a thousand points for that all right i appreciate that that's good well done um and then a note too: the semi-finalist was a local racer named dennis deal in a red uh, cavalier i believe and uh the funniest thing about dennis because i was done early enough to enjoy all of this um they had a they had a, like a racers appreciation barbecue kind of in front of the stands, and um, Dennis Deal had a cheering section. Like Dennis, local racer, had a lot of guys there with him. And that cheering section. Now keep in mind, we're in South Georgia, right? It can get a little red. Yeah. Um, his cheering section had had a few pops by like sixth round, I believe the race went eleven. Um, when he lost, I thought there might be a riot. I really, it, it got pretty loud up there on the on the uh, on the driver's side um, driver's side uh, cheering section. But 
congrats, congrats, Dennis. Always cool to see a local guy do good, get deep, get paid. And obviously, Jason Lynch and our winner uh, this week's Seabird Performance, who's hot, Lane Dickin, who now uh, we're going to have the pleasure of joining us on the podcast. Yeah, as promised, um, we want to take a minute and, and chat with Lane about his big win. You know, this is a guy that is a former $50,000 winner at Mid-Michigan. Uh, Lane was the inaugural Spring Fling Million main event runner-up. He's a former Ultimate 64 shootout runner-up. He's won NHRA national event. He's a multi-time Big Buck Bracket winner. And obviously the most recent winner of the $100,000 main event at last weekend's SFG Racer Appreciation Race in Reynolds, Georgia. It's a pleasure to have on Lane Dick and Lane. Thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. It's awesome to be able to talk with you guys. Lane, congratulations on the big win. And I thought this was interesting. I, I guess I wanted to start here. I wouldn't have realized this if you hadn't told me post-race, but this was essentially your first time out in, what, like 10-plus months? Tell us a little bit about what's been going on in your life to keep you away from the track. Sure. Uh, about 10 and a half months ago, we, I mean, my last big race was the Spring Fling Million 2017, which you know very well. And uh, I got down to five and was a little bit red. And then we, Luke, our man Luke won that. And so that was pretty awesome. But we, we then decided to to transfer and focus on trying to make this transition down to Lebanon, Tennessee. So um, try to get a little closer to racing. My wife's giving me the opportunity to stay home with the kids. And uh, after 18 years in an aerospace job, I quasi-retired. And uh, here we are kind of trying to focus on this year. So, so yeah, this was a, this was a big one coming out and it was started off a little rocky, <laughs> but it ended up all right. <laughs> now, 10 months off is obviously fairly extreme, but that's a bit of an extension of like a, a trend throughout your career, whether it be a result of geography where you used to live or work or life in general. Like it seems, at least from the outside, that you've rarely been like a weekly racer or even a regular on the big money scene, always kind of picked and choose. And yet you've experienced incredible success on some of the biggest stages. What do you attribute your ability to to kind of rise to the occasion without showing signs of rust what do you attribute that to boy i i really don't know i mean just the big money racing has always been uh what drives me i mean i watch uh all you guys all my idols and have been doing it for some time and that's just that's just really what drives me the uh exactly what you said the geography the uh the job the time away from work it really puts a damper on that so i had to try to focus on certain races to get to so i'm just super lucky that we're trying to pull this off and get moved down here and i got a year and a half before the kids are in school so it uh started off pretty good i could i could imagine it started off this good but but yeah the weekend started off really bad so it was one of those weekends where it was the exact opposite of going into the big race with confidence and stuff working. So, yeah, well, we <laughs> we talked around. we talked about that a little offline, Lane. You know, so walk us through that. You know, the event in Reynolds obviously ended extremely well for you, but you had some mechanical issues to overcome. So tell us a little bit about how your weekend went, and you even had thoughts of not even making it to the big show. So talk us through that. Yeah. We were just really struggling with my TNT car. I'd had a kind of a random miss 
and I could actually feel it in the car and it happened most of the time about one second into the run and it even once did it down track in high gear so I was talking to anybody I could about it. I was sending uh, race pack graphs to Scott Lemon and showing, you know, when it doesn't do it and when it does do it, got any ideas. And he actually brought up none other than Luke Bogacki on helping him solve one of these type of problems. And he said, uh, your issue ended up being like a ground issue. And that was the same as what fits Scott's car. So we did a bunch of chasing fuel, chasing electrical stuff on Friday night came out Saturday, still doing it. And then uh, that's when I got the hint about grounds and um, the cancer family was helping me work on the car and they were running around tightening every ground we had. And, and I really don't know if that's root cause, but third round on, it didn't do it again. So we were, we were kind of dialing for it, but not sure if it was going to do it. And then it just kept on, kept on rolling. So Okay. So you said it never missed again from third round on. At what point did yeah. you stop dialing for the mist? for the miss i think i just kept the dialing on it (laughs) (laughs) so if it did come back you were prepared for it yep pretty much i I don't know if i ever really fully expected it to not come back so but it really didn't it was great It, it worked out and then of course i had you know i had some lucky rounds and and it it was i believe it was a kind of a tough tree to to get on down there so I ended up having one of my worst lights of the or my worst light of the event against Jason, and I I normally wouldn't get away with that, so I I'm really really got lucky there. So he he lifted a little bit, and I got by by just a few thousandths, and was able to go dead on. So it's just like uh, in shock. I'm I'm still carrying on my time slips. My wife asked me, "Are you still looking <laughs> at those time slips?" I, I said, "Maybe." <laughs> i'm curious obviously lane when you make a a big life decision to uproot everything from iowa move to tennessee there's a lot of factors that go along with that especially with the young family Uh, how big a percentage was simply like racing geography in that decision because i know it had to be part of it yeah i would say i mean it's got to be right around 50 percent there's just wanting to make a, a life change with, with little kids and not being able to spend a lot of time with them in a corporate America job. I was, I was really getting burnt out on that. We had the odd set of circumstances where my wife's parents actually relocated down here. And I had been racing with Jeff Burns a little bit in the last several years. And it all kind of the moons aligned, like, why are we not down there and get her closer to her parents, get us closer to, you know, racing and, and we decided to give it a shot. And I, I will tell you, it's, it was a lot harder to make all this happen than I, than I ever anticipated. But we're finally here. We're, we're kind of here. We haven't told, we still have stuff in <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> but within a few months, hopefully we'll be done. All right. You, know, you referenced Jeff Burns. Most of, most of our listeners, I think, are familiar with Burns. Tell us a little bit <laughs> about racing with Jeff Burns. I, as I said, I think most people know him. I think most people probably don't know how to take Jeff because he can get loud. He, he looks like he's having, he's, he's having a lot of fun, even when not everybody seems to be having a lot of fun around him. But I think you said it best. I think when you guys came to one of our races at I-57 a couple of years ago, like I was one, I never really knew how to take Jeff. And then you said, Luke, he just has fun, like as much fun as you can have doing whatever it is that he's doing at the time 
whether that's working, whether that's racing, whether that's riding a side-by-side, like he just enjoys life and that rubs off on everybody. And obviously it's rubbed off on you. And since in, in the, basically the time since then, I've allowed myself to get closer to Jeff. It's rubbed off on me too. It, so I didn't mean to take words out of your mouth, but tell us a little bit about racing. And now like you're kind of neighbors, right? Yeah, we're about, uh, I don't know, around four miles from each other. So it could be good or bad, but it's, uh, I mean, he's, he truly is. I mean, that's the best way I've been able to describe it is he is somebody who has more fun at the racetrack than, than I think anybody else is there. And whether our stuff's broken or we're working on this, we're winning, we're not winning. He just finds a way to have fun. So it definitely rubs off on me. I think I think he's serious about winning, but he also has a good time either way. So he's not really putting a lot of pressure in, on me or, or us in, in general. And uh, I think his his fun-loving outlook is a, probably a good balance because maybe I get too serious sometimes. And he just looks at me and says, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, All right. Yeah. All right. That's burns. I mean, he's just, yep. he is always having a good time, always smiling. And, uh, he, you know, no matter how good or bad things are, he, his demeanor always seems to be the same. So very well said about him. Lane, I'm interested real quickly about the geographic change. Obviously, you lived in Iowa. I don't know how much weekly racing you tried to do or was available to you. So what would have been your closest option to go racing from, from your old hometown? Um. Well, I was born and raised in Iowa, went to college there, so I was there forever, and uh, my whole family was there. I grew up, you know, around Cordova Dragway Park. I raced a lot of years at Eddyville Raceway Park and a little bit at Cedar Falls, so we had three pretty good tracks within, you know, uh, 150 miles of us. I I actually started uh, really doing local racing and divisional racing in, at Eddyville, it's an eight mile track in, uh, in Iowa and we did really good there, but I always just really wanted to go to the, to the big money stuff. And Edmund Richardson built me my first dragster. And then I just started going to Michigan up in 2000 or back in 2002 and kind of the rest is history. I just, I just tried to do, uh, as many of those as I could fit in, in the year, save up as much vacation over, you know, winter time to be able mm-hmm. to, to be able to get to those. And it was, it was tough because you, you drive all night, get there and then uh, have to get back to work on, on Monday. So those were, those were tough, but um, that's kind of what's always driven me. And for those that don't know the Lebanon, Tennessee area, now you've positioned yourself basically in the center of some, you know, legendary facilities. If you do want to do some weekly racing and and you've given yourself tremendous access to some big money bracket racing as well. Oh yeah. It's that's part of what drove this decision. We wanted to be, you know, in this Nashville area, it's kind of a, kind of a hotbed to go any direction and get to some pretty good races. Yes, it is. So yeah, you had, hold on, I'll butt in. You had three racetracks within what 150 mile an hour mile radius of you in Iowa. Within that same radius of where you are right now, I would just guess that you have a dozen. 
I'm I'm sure we do. I haven't even looked at that yet. I'm, I'm just I'm lucky to have I'm lucky to have our schedule figured out through May, and that's about it. <laughs> and you know, I know I guess you were going 440s there in Reynolds, but uh, you're typically going quite a bit faster than that. Uh, so I don't know that you've got a dozen you can take your ride to Lane, but you got a lot of options nonetheless. <laughs> but yeah, that's very true. We'll go back. To, to wrap things up here in just a little bit uh, to the final round there at Reynolds, um, you raced a door car, you beat a door car, a door truck in the final, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, obviously you, you've won a ton. So I, I'm a little hesitant to say that that's uh, racing the door cars has been uh, somewhat of a hurdle for you or a stumbling block, but you know, there's, there's been some challenges there, but uh, walk us through how you overcame that and, and, Basically, I don't know if you change your strategy, and I'm not trying to get in your race strategy, but walk us through how you you get over that hurdle of changing from racing against the dragsters to a door car. Well, I I've had I guess what I would consider pretty decent luck with door cars, um, racing door cars before final rounds, <laughs> but in the last few years, <laughs> right. man, have I been worn out, and I and it was it. I, and I was actually kind of proud of my performance in most of them. I was mostly pretty good. They were just better. And, uh, you know, I got beat by, uh, you know, Jeff Verde, Cole Cousins, uh, Kenny Underwood a couple of times. And, and I was just starting to almost smile when I'd see the wind light not come on. Like, really? I did pretty good again. And I, nope, I'm, I'm out. Hey, so then hey, Lane, this, in, let me, let me ahead. just interrupt and say, it sounds like you're picking on the wrong door cars. <laughs> <laughs> they showed up and put it on me i know that and uh and then so now i got jason again and it's like oh geez here we go and um i don't know and i was pretty confident on the tree and the best part for me is is when i let go against jason i thought i crushed it and it was my worst light of the day i didn't think about bumping it i was I was, oh yeah, I'm just going to let this go. And, <laughs> and we rolled down through there and I, and sure enough, I, I didn't think I was getting there, but then it almost looked like it was going to be tight. So I'd really just tried to go dead on and was, and ended up being in front. So, um, yeah, I, I think Jason, he pretty much had me, he, he mentioned that he lifted a little bit on me and, and, uh, that was just the only reason I got by. So it almost might've been, a, a yet another, <laughs> defeat at the end of a door car in a final (laughs) if you're going to get beat by one they couldn't pick a better spot but you you've got over that hurdle Mm -hmm. and got it done your honesty is refreshing sir and uh, man just again want to say congrats uh a heck of a weekend for you um as you've had so many and we appreciate you lane taking some time to come on the show i I, we know this is not your thing um you're definitely not Mm -hmm. a hey look at me or a braggadocious Mm -hmm. type guy so uh, I know this was a little out of your comfort zone, but we can't thank you enough for coming on here and telling your story uh, this week. It's been great to have you. Yeah, it's been been really good. I appreciate you guys. Hopefully yeah. I uh, do something worthy of uh, uh, coming back sometime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have no doubt that you will. We we actually <laughs> talked about this at the race lane. I was trying to uh, to coerce you into coming on with us. You're like, ah, man, it's really not my thing. Which, to be yep. completely honest, that's not something that Jed or I understand. Like, we don't have a bit of problem talking about how good we are. No. 
<laughs> as our regular listeners will attest to. Um, but like I assured you, you won't have to. Uh, you won't have to make yourself sound good. We'll do that for you, and that is well deserved. You just think about. You talked about stumbling against those door cars in the final. If those go your way, you're talking about. You're in the final of the Spring Fling Million, the inaugural. Uh, one of the ones you lost to Underwood was the final of the 50 Grander Ultimate 64. Cole Cousins was one of the finals at the Million, right? Yeah, that was 623 cars in that 25 Grander, and then <laughs> right. I made the cut the next day in the Million. I was, I thought, man, I did the good the wrong day, but and, you know, <laughs> he did good the next day. But yeah, Cole, he he really. They whooped me too. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, people tend to overlook the runner-up, but that is a heck of a string of final rounds, regardless of whether you get the win light or not. And it's cool to have it come back around full circle because you know as well as I do that if you put yourself in that position enough times, they're going to fall into place more often than not, or certainly as often as not. And uh, so it's good to see you get the W. Yep, I appreciate it very much. I was pretty happy about it. <laughs> I'm sure we'll keep riding that wave lane and we wish you a ton of success the rest of the year and, and certainly on your next outing and I look forward to our paths crossing sometime soon. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Lane. Thanks for joining us. Have a great night. All right. You too. You do the Kevin Brandon, lay the smack across the land. Then you do the L ride and you come out like the world champ. You've been waiting all in a long 2018 has more big dollar events than ever, and those events feature bigger purses than ever. More racers than in the past will win life-changing money and be lauded by the sportsman drag racing community, this podcast, in 2018. The opportunity is presented to the big buck bracket racer, whether touring or regional, this season are unprecedented. What does that mean? To me, it means that we need to take advantage of this opportunity by turning over every rock that we can. Pay attention to every detail. That's what This Is Bracket Racing Elite is all about. Look, if you've entered some of these events, you're serious about your racing, and you're obviously good at it. You don't need a 180-degree turnaround in your racing, but a simple one-degree course correction could make all the difference and give you the edge that could prove to be worth thousands of dollars. This is Bracket Racing Elite can provide that. We've done so for hundreds of racers just like you. Learn more by visiting thisisbracketracing.com. We mentioned Portatree earlier in the show. I use their Eliminator Next Gen Practice Tree myself, along with the Portatree Mini Tabletop Tree. The Next Gen is Portatree's newest, most realistic tree, and it's by far the most well-designed and well-thought-out practice product that I've seen or used myself. It's got a ton of features, but two really stand out for me. First, it allows me to save up to 15 unique user setups, so I could switch it from one car to another, to my, from my dragster on a pro tree to my Vega on the bottom bulb to Jessica and her dragster with the touch of a button. All of those settings are saved. Plus, the stats log is like a virtual logbook that lets me really analyze my progress from one session to the next. Those of you that participated in the off-season practice tree challenge know how big of an aid that can be. In short, I love it. I think you'll love it too. You can check it out at www.portatree.com. Don't forget to use the checkout code SPRING10 at checkout to receive 10% off. All right. Definitely want to thank uh, Lane Dickin for coming on. That was a really cool interview. And Luke, we learned something about him because Lane is, again, not a braggadocious guy. And he, he told us after the fact, and we actually got after him a little bit, 
I think from the mid to late 90s, uh, it was a seven-year stretch. Lane won uh, 16 championships. And he won five of those in one season in obviously multiple classes. Uh, I mean, the guy, we, we talked about a lot of his accomplishments, but wow. I mean, that's another amazing thing on his resume. That's Lane Dickin for you. This completely came up in like casual conversation. Like Lane, I think the first time I met you was at Michigan, maybe the year that you won. Like, where'd you come from racing? Oh, well, we raced a little bit around Iowa. I had some success. And yeah, 16 yeah. local or divisional championships in a seven-year span, including five in one year. And I just had to stop and ask him, like, hey, dude, how did you win five championships in one year? Okay, at his local track, top bulb track champion, bottom bulb track champion, quick 16 track champion. That was an IHRA track, so he also won the Summit Super Series championship for his track. Meanwhile, managed to win IHRA Division Five top dragster championship in the same season. That is nuts yeah that's uh <laughs> very accomplished and you, you're talking dating back to the mid 90s now so a guy's not only doing it these days he's been doing it for a long time at a very high level so thanks lane for sharing that with us and again the interview was really cool but look that's not the only cool thing we got for this podcast no we got a little bit of fun on tap and i think last year big jib we got chastised we probably lost a percentage of listeners we spent a lot of time talking about the ncaa tournament but it's yeah. march and i'm a huge hoops fan and you're a huge hoops hoops fan so it's kind of comes natural to us but yep. we've got a little spin on it this year that i think is going to be fun actually i'm i'm torn this is either going to be a lot of fun or it's going to be complete dumpster fire but bear with us <laughs> We're not going to go too in depth onto our into our personal NCAA brackets, but briefly, um, before we get to the fun part, who have you got in the Final Four, Big Jed? Well, obviously Virginia's playing well. I'm going with them. Kansas, uh, just a always strong team. I like North Carolina. I know they've had some bumps in the road, and I am going to stay with my homerism that I always have here on the podcast, and I'm picking the Alabama Crimson Tide to go on in the Final Four and win the tournament because I never get these things right. So I always pick who I think will win. So now I'm going to pick who I don't think will win, and Alabama's going to be your national championship, national champion in two different sports. Congratulations. There's a, Roll Tide. There's a shocker. I never dreamed you'd go with the Crimson Tide. <laughs> Maybe you got a stud point guard, Colin Sexton, who I, I referred to off air, Kemba Sexton. He could carry him there. Like it wouldn't be the, the greatest surprise. If you watched him in the SEC tournament, bad dude. For me, and again, we won't spend too much time on it. I also have Virginia in the final four. I think that's the only one that we have in common. I have them cutting down the nets. I think defense wins championships this year. Uh, and I've got Duke, Villanova, and Michigan. Michigan, my only non-top two seed making it in their four yeah. seed. So I'm not going out on too much of a limb there. But we, well, we're going to tie these, tie that to the sport that we're here to talk about. Yeah, right. This is where this gets good or is a disaster. I'm not sure which. Okay. We wanted to have some fun with the bracket, but obviously we wanted to keep the conversation racing related. So we've developed our own bracket of sorts, but instead of NCAA tournament teams, our bracket is made up of the worst bad beat stories in drag racing. Okay, bad beats. Now, Big Jed, when I say bad beats, I think we all like we kind of take solace in sharing our bad beats, whether people ask us or not. Like it's sort of oddly therapeutic. And I can't speak for you, Jed, 
but we're going to l- roll through a pretty good list of, of bad beat stories. And I personally, I've probably spit out like 90 plus percent of these <laughs> yeah. at, at some time. These lame excuses, these stupid bad beat stories. I've reiterated these uh, uh, over the course of my career. So like we're not necessarily making fun of anyone here. We're making fun of a few people. We might even single a few people out. But more than anything, like we're poking fun at ourselves and our sport as a whole. So with that, I'm a habitual offender. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. We'll get to that. I don't know about you, Jed. I'm sick of hearing these lame stories. Like I I don't mind telling them and telling everybody like how I got beat. Right. But every once in a while, you'll just hear somebody say like, man, I got my butt kicked or I missed the tree or I took a mile and just own it. And I really am to the point like I dig that. That's all I need to know. Right. Just mm-hmm. something brief and simple without a long-winded story or bringing undue attention to ourselves. Uh, like my go-to is kind of like my opponent laid down a run I couldn't beat. He was 30 and three above. <laughs> like, it, it rarely happens that way. We, we feel a need, and again, we are not immune to this, to go a little bit more in depth, to give a little better reason of why we couldn't pull this off and how the deck was stacked against us and everything else, right? So we get these bad beat stories. And some of them are common, like so common that they're old and unoriginal. We'll call some of those out. Mm-hmm. Some are, are, are far-fetched and intricate. Regardless, like to me at least, they've gotten to the point that they are a complete whip. Like I'm sick of hearing them. I rarely give a bleep. And I just want to call them out. So <laughs> what we've done is we, we kind of teamed up on this. And this was kind of last ditch. Like I we come up with this idea like maybe 24 hours ago but we have a list of 24 i think bad beat stories and when doing this like not really sure to classify these stories as our favorites or as the ones that just whip us the most like are a beat down like i'm so sick of hearing somebody tell me that they pulled in staging lanes wrong right because it's sort of one and the same, like depending on which side of the story you're on, whether it's your favorite bad beat story or the one that just beats you down. So as a result, like <laughs> I don't know whether to like have a we, we toyed with the idea of having like an eliminator bracket of these stupid stories. But how do you advance them? Do you advance them upon the one that you like the best or the one that you like the least? So as a result, what we've done, rather than having our own brackets with these stupid stories or ways to justify or explain our losses we're going to attach these bad beats to teams in the ncaa tournament okay so we're going to assign (laughs) the following stories to the top again we we thought we might could get 64 of these and then we realized like maybe we can get 32 okay we ended up with 24 so what we did was we took the top 24 overall seeds in the tournament so that's seeds one through six in each region and we assigned a bad beat story to each of them so Big Jed, I'll let you kick it off with the number one overall seed, both of our picks to make the Final Four, my pick to cut down the nets, the Virginia Cavaliers. What are we going to associate with Virginia? All right, so Virginia, number one seed, and we're going to tie the bad beat of the guy whose story doesn't add up. So the guy comes up, <laughs> I love these, Luke. The guy comes up and says, man, I was 10. My guy was 40. I took the stripe. By 15 thou, I was 10, take 15. He was 40. I lost a double breakout. Um, you know, and you know, those of us who, who run the math pretty regular, like, wait a minute, no, no, that's not you were 15 thou above, but whatever. I grew up with a habitual offender. Of this, like, I don't, I'm not gonna call anybody out. I think he knows who he is, I think he listens to the podcast. 
I have no doubt that he's gotten better with age. But like it was an every week thing. Man, what happened to you? Man, I was 17. My guy was 50. I freaking hog up 25 under. <laughs> like, man, that, that's not quite right, you know? Or, or better yet, yeah, man, we're dead even on the tree. My guy breaks out. I follow him through 5,000. Double breakout loser. Like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Let me see that time slip. Right, right. So, yeah, that's a good one. And I hope Virginia <laughs> wins it all because I just want to repeat that for two more weeks. Yeah, I like that. So next up, the East Region Villanova is the number one seed. And that is the what about <laughs> – I love these titles. I, I can't quit laughing. The what about me guy. Hey, what about me? <laughs> As he completely disregards your story. I mean, you're giving him your bad beat. You're upset. You're you're torn. You, you know, you're about to go home, load up. And he wants to tell you about him instead of just being a good listener. Yeah, you got your heart on the line. And, and meanwhile, he just completely disregards anything that you're saying in one ear, out the other. Out comes a stack of time slips. Hey, what about me? <laughs> yeah, same thing happened to me. Yeah, we're, we're not singling anybody out there, but we do have one guy in mind there. All right, so that's represented by Villanova. That's the what about me guy. Kansas, the number one seed in the Midwest region. All right, Rock Chalk Jayhawk is going to be represented by Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect is another one that we've got somebody in mind. We're not going to mention any names, but uh, hey, man, let me show you my tickets. As he pulls out a fistful of not like double O, not good runs, like a fistful of perfect lights. And you go, damn, how did you not win? You know, <laughs> but upon inspection, you realize that some of these time slips are dated months or years ago like they're just a permanent fixture in this racer's pocket that's perfect guy that's rock chalk jayhawk (laughs) we've all got that guy and yeah you you do have to look at those dates and you see like some of these tickets don't look the same as other you've been perfect so many times you got (laughs) me who's next luke uh we got xavier the one seed in the west xavier will be represented by overcomplicated guy and this is absolutely me right but this is the guy that regardless of how like will provide a ten thousand word dissertation on how he lost that race that lasted like five seconds right and you go through all of these thoughts and i made this decision because i saw this and and you're like you get done with he gets halfway done with it and you're like dude you were dialed 450-something. Like, how'd you think of all that? Perfect example. And this is when this cracks me up because this was so good. Again, not going to single out any names. But I remember when I was a kid and, like, all of my buddies, we laughed so hard because we would always, you know, the, the National Dragster would come out. And back then, they actually wrote features on all the sportsman winners. So you'd have to read through, you know, what Scotty did to win the race or what Edmund did to win the race or what Peter did to win the race or Fletcher or whatever. You know, like the sportsman capsules was always right. the go-to. And there was this dude. That I'm pretty sure, like, I don't want to disparage his one hit wonder, right? Like, this was the best day of his racing career. But this dude won Super Comp, I think at Columbus, years ago, beat Edmund in the final. And his quote, now granted, this is a win, so this isn't a bad beat story, but this is a perfect example of overcomplicated guy. His quote was like, yeah, I left the starting line, the car went on a stop, and I just happened to notice that the flags on top of the grandstand had switched from a (laughs) tailwind to a direct headwind and at that point i made a mental calculation that if he'll let me i'm gonna cross the finish line first now that's brilliant but i gotta ask myself like you might have noticed that when you pulled in you didn't notice that at 60 foot 
Like, who the hell is looking at the top of the bleachers to see the So that's a classic example of overcomplicated guy. An overcomplicated guy will be represented in this year's tournament by the Xavier Musketeers. <laughs> so next up is one of my picks in the Final Four, North Carolina, number two seed in the West region. And they are going to be represented by the gave it back guy. Now, Love everybody... Everybody feels like they gave it back at times, and, and sometimes you do give it back. But when uh, gave it back guy's running through the numbers, and he says, man, you know, I felt like I was getting there, and I thought I might have been going a little under, so I gave it one rip, killed about a half a mile an hour, you know, killed four or five thou, but he got there. I gave it back 12 thou. Well, you can't give it back if the racer's margin is more than what you killed. <laughs> wasn't getting there to begin with, and... Uh, there was a big discussion about you know, the announcer saying gave it back from the SFG race. And sometimes you give it away, but didn't necessarily give it back because you didn't have it to begin with. So if you didn't ever have it, you couldn't give it back. That's a great point that I wish more racers had taken to it. Give it back guy is also closely associated with dropped him on his head guy. Like that's because you got their yeah. second 30 and you killed five thousandths. <laughs> so like your opponent was screwing up to begin with but you dropped him on his head and fed him that extra five thousand so nice turned him right. loose yeah so yeah good stuff all right that's north carolina the two seed in the west duke the two seed in the midwest this is unlucky guy again not gonna single anybody out not gonna name any names man i can't get no luck just pure negativity <laughs> like there are a few more just like him <laughs> this as we go but like this dude never makes any mistakes ever he just man my 10th out package is no good again it happens every week but yet every time you run unlucky guy he makes a crappy run and you're like well he's 25 and one above when i ran you you know ain't been worse than three in two months no look at the slips i mean it's kind of like perfect guy so that's duke unlucky guy so next up, number two seed in the East is the Purdue Boilermakers, and that is the I Got Screwed guy, which is uh, really everybody at the racetrack. You, you know, we got guys in mind for some of these. But the, I Got Screwed guys, everybody there. Uh, you know, he comes like, man, they scraped drugs, sprayed in front of me, whatever they did. That's bull crap. He said, also, I should not have been paired with the guy I was paired with. I should have been the first pair. I shouldn't have been the first pair. I should have had the last pair, et cetera. You know, yeah, something happened in the lanes, and they, they pulled a buy run. <laughs> should have called the buy run before we ever got here. You know, whatever. But, yeah, the I got screwed guy. He's <laughs> always out to get everybody. And, guys, just to be clear, like, we really threw this together. So if you're, like, a Purdue Boilermaker fan, don't think we're associating Purdue with I Got Screwed Guy, okay? Like, it's just yeah. happenstance that they kind of load in together. No, that's about right. Alan Neff's a big fan, so that's it. Mm. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cincinnati, the number two seed in the South. Cincinnati will be representing too many distractions, guy. I like this one. Uh, <laughs> this is, man... I'm just, I'm not at it. I'm just not that into racing anymore. Life has me, life has me distracted, man. Yeah. Like, none of us have anything going on except, you know, those five seconds that we go out on a racetrack. Like, that's all that matters in life to anybody that's there. Come on, man. Yeah. I raced you last time. You wasn't distracted and came to the track and you suck. So, um, <laughs> that's why, that's why other things have got your attention. <laughs> oh, I hope Cincinnati don't get too distracted in that 215 matchup. Play some good defense there, Bearcats. 
Next up is one of your picks, Luke, the number three seed in the Midwest region. That's the Michigan Wolverines, and they are represented by the perfect car guy. Now, we all know this guy. Man, my car is very... My car's very three thou all day. If you throw out that first run where I was three slow and the last run where I was too fast. Other than that, this thing's been absolutely perfect. <laughs> it's only moved five hundreds all day. This is like a close cousin of the guy that has the best stuff in the world because it's what he has. And he has it because it's the best stuff in the world. Like the guy that's on Goodyear's that just looks down his nose at anybody that runs Mickey Thompson's or Hoosiers. Goodyear's are the best. That's what I run. <laughs> I run them because they're the best. They're the best because I run them, right? Closely associated here. All right, this this is a good one here. Tennessee, one of the teams you were high on, right? Uh, SEC, SEC. Yeah. Homer. Three seed in the South. Tennessee will represent conspiracy theory guy, right? There's a lot of conspiracy theory guys out there. Case in point, man, there ain't no way my car picked up 200s. No way it don't do that. <laughs> right? Right, we've heard that. Yeah, I race at my local track, and I'm going down the track every 17 minutes, and my car's been really good, but I'm here, and it's six hours between runs, and all of a sudden, it picked up two or slowed down two. Can't yeah. explain it. It's just, so this those times that you come to the tower and say, hey, look, man, ain't, you, what are you going to do about this? Yeah. I, I, my car moved 4,060 foot. It don't do that. <laughs> okay. So next up, we got the number three seed in the Midwest region, the Michigan State Spartans. And uh, this guy is very close friends with conspiracy theory. Yes. Yeah. They, they changed the rollout guy. I saw him do it. There's no way I need a hundredth less in the box than I did yesterday. They must've changed the rollout. Maybe, maybe this uh, more directed at the bottom of crowd. I do, I do hear that from time to time at the, the events that, that I'm associated with. And, um, you know, maybe, just maybe you're a hundredth quicker today or a hundredth slower. It is a one hundredth of a second, but the, the change the rollout guy says there's no way. This, uh, okay, let me back to a little personal experience. I am in the final of Supergas at uh, Rocky Mountain Raceway last year when I went to Utah, right? And they tell us, don't suit up yet. Okay, so I just walk around the starting line where I see Mike Rice, Division 7 director, with the, the rollout wheel rolling it through the beams we are in the final round (laughs) and of course it's in my lane so i walk up uh hey mike you're not giving me the best you know happy-go-lucky feeling about this upcoming round here what what do we got going on and he just looked at me obviously he's not real happy about the situation and says how do you think the guy feels that i'm making rerun because he was one thou package because the other lane was 150 and 15 fast to 60 foot no. Okay, Mike, I appreciate you checking into yeah. that. I'm just going to go back to my car. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is brutal. <laughs> <laughs> they changed the rollout guy represented by Michigan State. Texas Tech. Jed, you said that this was you. This could be me, too. Texas Tech, number three seed in the East, will be representing easily distracted guy. The guy that says, well, did you see that airplane fly overhead just as I was staging? <laughs> you mean one that looks like a little bird like fifteen thousand feet in the sky no, no I, I didn't see that you saw that yeah man messed me up i can't i can't register like that no I, this is me i am easily distracted but 
my story was, and it happened, this is real, <laughs> I was staged waiting on the tree to come down at No Problem Raceway in Bell Rose, Louisiana, and a bird that had obviously had the chili for lunch <laughs> decided to unload on my windshield before the tree come on. I let go. You let go on nothing. the poop? I let go on nothing. <laughs> that tree was not on. Not I let nothing. go on not the splatter. Nothing. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it was awful. Terrible. And I, I, I couldn't believe it, but I took pictures of it because I knew people wouldn't believe it, but it really happened. So Texas Tech, you're representing me. I wish the Red Raiders a lot of luck as we move forward in the bracket. Uh, Next up, the Arch, number four seed. Arch yeah. Nemesis here, right? I shouldn't have had to take this team, but I, it just worked out. So, uh, yes, uh, number four seed in Midwest is the Auburn Tigers. War Eagle to all my Auburn friends out there. But this is the everyone's cheating guy now. <laughs> we all have this guy, and we try to tell him, no, no, no it's capable for somebody to have a three fifteen thousandths packages in a row. Sure it is. They're not cheating. But he says, uh, I'd go dead on every round, too, if I was riding the dots. You know, Quote, unquote, riding the dots. Everybody is that not the go-to? Man, yeah, I look, yeah. He was looking straight at the tack. That guy never looked up. He took 27 down there and just never looked up. We went dead on with a three. He's cheating. I know he is. Got one of them fancy grid things. He's riding them dots. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. All right. So that's Auburn for you. Everybody's cheating guy. Wichita State, the four seed in the east. This is the one I mentioned earlier. Can't pull into the lanes guy. Man, I just need a course on how to pull into the staging lanes. <laughs> Give me a break. I mean, now, granted, we've all used this. You've used this, Jed. I've used this, Jed. This was clever, like the first hundred times I heard it. <laughs> now it's a whip. Like, everybody's pretty good. If in a nine-round race, you're probably going to run somebody that lays down sub-10. You're either going to beat it or you're going to go home. Like, it don't – whatever. You get off me with the I, – I can't – I need – Luke, you need to teach me how to pull in lanes. I get that, like, twice a weekend. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> All right, so next up is Gonzaga. They're the number four seed in the West region. Uh, go Brad Plourd. They are represented by the I did all I could do guy. This is <laughs> so, one of my favorites. Yeah, this, this guy, you know, he's got a story. He comes up, man, I knew I missed a tree, so I bumped twice. Then I watched my opponent leave late, so then I bumped back up twice because I knew I'd bumped it down too far. Then my car hit the tires, and I thought, screw it. I'm going to get there. So I sprayed and low and held the shift. Then I pumped it a few times and let him know I could get there just to show him if I wanted to get there, I would. Then I dropped, turned him loose. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you what? just stand there listening to this guy like, wait, what? You just employed every strategy you could possibly have in one pass. Yeah. Like, dude, I didn't realize why you had seven buttons on the steering wheel, but obviously you need them all. That's <laughs> impressive. All right, so that's, that's the zags. I did all I could do, guy. <laughs> <laughs> did it all. All right, Arizona, a subject of a lot of controversy coming into the tournament. Arizona is the number four seed in the South. Arizona, the Wildcats, will be representing doesn't understand math guy. Okay, so bear with me on this one because oh, we kind of did this earlier, like the doesn't add up guy. This one's a little different. This guy is, well, yeah, I was late, but my car spun. I mean, I lost 360 foot. So who's to say that my 40 light wasn't really 10? <laughs> okay, you're laughing, Jed. I, this is years ago, and again, not going to name names, but I'm at a race with a, with a very 
successful, well-known racer who I, I listened to his run. He's 20-something on the tree. His opponent is like eight package. I'm like, oh, that's a bad break. What are you going to do, right? Come back, and he's throwing his helmet. He's all mad. What in the world? So I walk over there and say, hey, what's going on? Bam, my car spun. What are you? What are you? <laughs> what are your car, I mean, you were 24 in the tree. Your guy was eight package. My car spun. I don't follow. Like, I don't understand. Well, look, and he gets me the ticket before, and sure enough, he's 200 slow to 60 foot. His car spun. I'm like, okay, but the, his package was, like, way less than your light. Like, it didn't really matter at that point, did it? <laughs> no, man, I lost 200s and 60 foot. Can't you see? Yeah. What, what, I, I still i am not drawing. No, man, it's spun. I lost 200s and 60 foot, so who's to say that 24 wasn't 004? <laughs> and <it's not, laughs> I just had to walk away because I... I thought i'm not gonna get anywhere here <laughs> the numbers have to correlate perfectly <laughs> uh, now if anything like if you got in deep and turned it red you would lose some to 60 foot like if it's a rollout difference your reaction time should actually be quicker and there ain't nothing in the world that spins enough to affect reaction time in the first six inches like it don't happen so <laughs> no you can't lose 300 <laughs> in six inches so that'll represent i'm rooting for arizona too because i like that one i like that one don't uh, doesn't understand the math guy <laughs> next up is the uh, sec tournament champs kentucky number five seed in the south region region uh, and they are similar to the above they are represented by the exaggeration guy <laughs> so so you know everybody's got uh, their take on what happened on the racetrack and you know sometimes i think they even believe what they're saying but this guy comes up and says man my throttle stop quit on me and when i realized it i just lifted and counted to four then i stood back in it <laughs> meanwhile you look at his time slip and his incrementals are all within you know a hundredth of the previous round but he i think maybe he really believes that's exactly what he did <laughs> I know that this sounds extreme, right? This was one that I contributed because this is one from personal experience. Like I was sitting on the finish line and I watched this race and my buddy lost and it looked like a good race. Like he was nearly wide open through the finish line and they were close, 88 to 87 super gas. So I go down and, hey man, what was that race like with so-and-so? Man, you wouldn't believe it. My delay box fried. It zeroed out all the numbers in the throttle stop. So it just... It left, and, and I just knew the stop didn't come on, so I lifted. And I counted to four, and stood back in it. And I'm like, wow, like, he got really close, you know? It's <laughs> amazing. I, that's really impressive, you know, because, uh, wow. And uh, I, I simmered on that for about two hours. And then just my curiosity got the better of me. So I pull up live timing, which we were at a national event, so everyone can see this, that here's this story. <laughs> and, again, 60 foot, 330, eighth mile, all within a hundredth of the previous pass. Like, I'm not saying he's a liar, but like, wow, right? You actually caught that? Lifted, oh, yeah, I know, I just know my car gets head high, and then it goes and stop. Like, okay, like, I have a hard time running within 100 at all those increments, like, when everything's right, <laughs> much less when I'm doing it with my hoof. So, <laughs> Kentucky will be represented by exaggeration guy. <laughs> West Virginia, the five seed in East, is belittle the opponent guy this is also someone specific that i have in mind that we will not mention names so i see a name but we're not going to mention it yeah there might be a name on the show notes <laughs> we're not going to mention on the air but belittle the opponent guy says well i showed him he couldn't get there he's got a drop right so i anticipate the drop because you know he's got a drop what's he do he holds it on the floor i get behind so i told him hey man 
if you do what you're supposed to do there, I will. <laughs> okay. The, the the racer that I have in mind when I was young, like I I I, I took this stuff a little bit more personal than I do now. Now it's just kind of water off a duck's back. But I beat this guy at a national event. And uh, I literally sat on my tire and waited for him to come and tell me what I did wrong to keep him from winning that round. <laughs> I wish that I haven't been this guy at some point in my career, but I have. Like, I, have to, I don't know that I've told him that, but I've told everybody else. Man, no, it guy, is one thing to tell your buddies, man, if that guy knew what he was doing, I'd have whipped his butt. It's another yeah. thing to go tell your opponent, look. I mean, you obviously have no clue what you're doing, because if you did, <laughs> I'd have beat you. <laughs> exactly. All right. So that's West Virginia and belittled the opponent guy. Next up is Clemson, the number five seed in the Midwest region, and they are represented by false terminology guy. So guy comes up, man, I was 10. I took five thou, but my guy beat me with a 20 and dead on. Mm, wait a minute now. So if you take less than your reaction time advantage you win doesn't matter what any of you run you win the race yeah i think but, in that instance he meant to say instead of took five meant to say five thou under and i'm constantly amazed like at our local track we got a couple of guys that like to talk the talk like think they're talking the talk and you just go whoa what yeah just to get the and it's easy to do you know like we're inundated by it day in day out you're speaking it on the mic all day it's easy to get a little bit mixed up so it is easy to get mixed up but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of those false terminology guys and they they start to get really tight with the don't understand the math guy and all those <laughs> that we talked about in and this one same. feeds the other and you've just <laughs> got this vicious cycle <laughs> and those guys are sitting there eating hot dogs third round and they're telling their story and i love to listen to it <laughs> So that's just, Clemson and false terminology guy. I just threw this next one in because I thought about it. And I don't know if this gets under anybody's skin, but it, it does mine. Okay, Ohio State, the five seed in the West, will be representing kicked it red guy. Okay, listen. Unless you're foot breaking, you can't kick it red. Like you let go of the button too early. It had nothing to do with nobody kicked anything. You turned it red. If you're foot breaking, you can obviously kick it red. But beyond that, let's get that out of here. But, you know, that goes back to I let go on time. They turned the tree on late. That's why I was I like red. That. Oh, we should have definitely had that in there. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> so that's Ohio State and kicked it red guy. That what? How fitting is that? But they're really garnet more than they are red. Next up's the number six seed in the East region, the Florida Gators. And the shield fogged up guy. Now, this I've never been this guy for sure. But the shield fogged up guy, I talk to him at every big money bracket race I go to, whether it's especially 92 degrees or 52 degrees. Especially in Florida. How fitting. It's a little yeah. He's like, man, I couldn't see anything. You know, then they leave the shield. Don't go down the track. You know, like try to go down the track where you couldn't see. Uh, I think you could see because you went like 471, you know, perfect. And figure out. You need to figure out how to defrost the uh, the visor it's it's yeah, not it, that complicated there's not, a lot of people in the lanes doing it yeah get a little heat on the inside there use a rag it'll, it'll work <laughs> out. Uh, miami number six seed in the south region who by the way is going to get upset by my missouri valley conference champion loyal the ramblers uh, miami yeah. will be representing my opponent rushed me guy Okay, this is the guy that comes back, man, my guy double followed me. Or you could just flip this around and say, my guy took forever to stage. I can't deal with that. This is, of course, assuming that auto start is in effect, which basically has rules to, to mitigate these issues. Okay, if, if you're out of track and auto starts in effect and your opponent double bulbs you, guess what? 
Like, you can sit behind the free stage for 10 minutes if you want to. You're not obligated to do anything. And yes. by the same token, if you're at a racetrack that implements auto start and you feel like your opponent took too long to stage, like there is a feature of auto start called a timeout function that makes sure they don't take too long to stage. So if they would have literally taken too long to stage, they would have been timed out and red-lighted. But they didn't, and they beat you. Yes, this guy suffers from multiple personalities. He is also my guy, <laughs> burn me down guy. Yes. He, he will turn into <laughs> that guy at times as well. But, oh man, my opponent because wrecked me guy or my guy not, burned me down. Does not take two racers to have a staging battle. Does not. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so that's Miami and my opponent rushed me guy. Houston is the number six seed in the West region. And Houston is going to be tied to converter guy. <laughs> now, <laughs> this, I mean, Oh man, this is this is one of the best guys at the racetrack because it's like he goes back. He's very close kin to the the guy that his car can't move two hundreds. <laughs> uh, but man, I think the converter's going away. You know, it's uh, if it's not, then you know, go for everyone has a slow run or whatever, and they they can't explain it. But you know, the car slows down a couple of hundreds, and all of a sudden. You know, he's over there. He's got it on the jacks. He's he's flashing it, or he's flashing it right there in the pits with his opponent 10 feet away from him or whatever he's doing. But my converter's going away guy or converter guy, is, uh, he's at every race. Yeah, man, I was, I was 40. There ain't no way. The converter must be going away. That's the go-to for, like, any issue, ET reaction time ex- related that you can't explain. Eh, converter must be going away. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Last one. And if you're still with us, what are we? An hour 20 plus into this podcast and you're listening to this nonsense? Bless your hearts. Okay. This is the last one that we're going to get to. TCU is the last number six seed, six seed in the Midwest. TCU will represent bad burnout guy. This is a, a, a distant cousin of converter guy. This is a guy that says there wasn't enough water down. I didn't get a good burnout, man. Dude, it's 2018. Like, the tire technology today, they ain't really got to get hot. You got to knock the rocks off of them. Like, I have stage going 460s after driving around the water and went dead on. It's not that big a deal. Like, we've all, most of us, just you and me included, Jed, second generation racers, there was a time when we were coming up, maybe grandparents were racing, like, heat in the tires was a big deal. Not so much anymore. No. And (laughs) if you happen to be driving a car that seems to be really burnout sensitive, then, like, Try to do the same burnout every time. Can't be that hard, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and when you say there wasn't enough water down, well, you had to see that as you were rolling through it. So, I mean, how are you going to tell me now there wasn't enough water down? Why don't you tell the guy working the water box? Right, right. So, all right. So, that's the 24 best or worst, however you look at it, bad beat stories that we could come up with. We're sure that we left out some of the ones that you either love or that whip you like they whip us. <laughs> but that's the beauty of the tournament because the next time that we record, the field of 68 will be whittled down to the sweet 16. Now, unquestionably, we have a quote or a, a bad beat attached to all of the six seeds and up. But unquestionably, there will be a couple seven plus seeds that advance to the second weekend of the tournament. So, as a result, we are going to need more bad beat stories to represent or to be represented by those Cinderella teams. So post your best or worst 
Bad Beat Stories on our Facebook page. That's the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Or you can add us on Twitter. I'm at Luke Bogacki. He's at JP11X. We'll pick our favorites to insert into the bracket next week during the Sweet 16. So if you love this, it will be back. If you hated this, it will be back. And I think we'll probably have a little bit more fun with this as this whittles down. Like we may even get PJ to make some drops. Yeah. And what's important, Luke, is is make sure if you're listening and you're going to do this, make sure. Because what I love the most about that segment was the name that, that we give the guy. Yeah. So make sure be, you name your guy. If you don't yeah. name your guy, you're out. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be like butthurt guy or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, didn't uh, we have, why didn't we have butthurt guy in that's i know i just thought of it i'm sorry i can't do it all <laughs> so all right uh let's wrap up this marathon podcast with a quick what's on tap segment honey where are we racing next week it's time to discuss next week's major events news updates releases and announcements it's what's on tap. All right, guys. Our friends at the AHRA have some really big news. Uh, if you are racing in the Firecracker Big Money Bracket Race at Byron Dragway on July the 7th, AHRA members are going to be eligible for some bonus money. If you're racing in the electronics category, you're an AHRA member and you win, you get a $1,250 bonus. If you are racing... In the no-box category, and you're in an automatic-equipped race car, and you win, and you're an AHRA member, you're going to get $2,500 from AHRA. And the big money is up for the manual-equipped racers that win, and AHRA members, you're going to get five grand from the great folks at AHRA. So race the firecracker race at Byron Dragway, July the 7th. Join the AHRA and get your win and your bonus money from the great folks at AHRA. So, Luke, we got some stuff on tap for this week. Looks like some pretty good racing out there. Yep. Uh, NHRA's national event tour makes its way to Gainesville, Florida for the real, the full, the big Gator Nationals. Now, most of our sportsmen brethren have been there for a week and a half, participating in the prequel, the Baby Gators. (laughs) <laughs> this is you the full that. this is the full grown gators this week big jed this is big time yeah the full grown gators it's a legendary event and um hopefully those guys have some great weather and i know it'll be great racing i've told my story here on the podcast about how i got through tech at the gators if you get through <laughs> tech at the gators in a similar fashion please inform us we'd love to have you on and talk about your story no uh, one in the history of drag racing has gone through tech in a similar fashion big kid you can oh, i hope somebody that. hope somebody duplicates my efforts <laughs> luke at the virginia motorsports park got a brand new racing surface and it is time for the saint patrick's day classic from our great friends at loose rocker promotions uh, michael beard and anthony walton they're going to be bringing their um St. Patrick's Classic back to VMP. This event's been going on for several years now. It looks like they're getting a little cool weather to deal with. Those guys announced a schedule change a little earlier today, and I want to make sure anybody planning to go to the St. Patty Classic is going to uh, be aware of this change. Friday is going to be one-time trial. Uh, start out with a foot break, and then they'll move through the top bulb guys. That will start at 11 a.m. because they're getting some cool temperatures, and they're going to run Friday's race to completion. 
Saturday was going to be 10K and Sunday was going to be 5K. They have now combined that to one race. That'll start Saturday for 15,000 with one time trial. And they will start that at 11 a.m. as well. They'll have first round and the re-entry round only on Saturday so they can get everybody wrapped up before the temperatures get too cool. And then Sunday, they'll come back and start when time permits with round two all the way to the final. So keep up with that. Follow those guys at Loose Rocker. You can see it on Facebook. They'll be posting on drag race results. But uh, all in all, you're in for a treat uh, running a Loose Rocker event. And I know it'll go great for the, the guys there that participate in the St. Patrick's Day Classic. Yeah, you got to love a proactive promoter, uh, letting everybody know, getting out in front of it ahead of time. Look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pay out everything we said we're going to pay out. We're going to work around the weather. Kyle did that last week at Reynolds, combining those 250s into 100 and put that out there Well, before yeah. we recorded the podcast last week. And it just gives everybody a little bit of peace of mind going, knowing that there's a plan in place. We're going to try to get everything in that we possibly can. So kudos to Michael and Anthony and the Loose Rocker crew. One other event of note coming up this weekend is the first 10 Tuck uh, Bracket Series event of the season at Bowling Green. Long time listeners will know i'm a huge fan of the tentuck i'm a huge fan of beach bend raceway park huge fan of uh, that family love racing down there but with that said not a huge fan of the date because as we've gas bagged about for the past 30 minutes this is opening weekend of the ncaa tournament and for me that's a holiday i don't race on holidays well, I do race on holidays. I don't race on this holiday. I spend a good two and a half days posted up on the couch, taking in the greatest spectacle in sports. So I will not be at 10 Tuck this weekend, but good luck to everybody that's going. It's an awesome race. If you go to Bowling Green, you will love it. Yeah, it is a great race. And uh, Luke, I, I definitely, we're not in the uh, in the industry to bring bad news or scare anyone but you know i know those guys could possibly have some weather challenges so you might not miss a whole lot we are hopeful that that doesn't happen but everybody's got a smartphone i didn't just turn anybody on to to check the weather if they were planning on going to the tin tuck they're already checking it let's hope it improves and uh dallas and the gang there at bowling green get in a great event so what else luke uh, we mentioned last week that IHRA had to reschedule their first two Sportsman Spectacular events that were originally scheduled for last weekend. Just an update on that. The IHRA Sportsman Spectacular at Farmington will now be contested October 5th through the 7th. And pre-entries are still open. It uh, will be open until September 27th. Again, if you pre-enter the IHRA Sportsman Spectacular, you get to run the Sunday race for free. Uh, similar situation in uh, the new track, Extreme Raceway Park down in Ferris, Texas. This place, by the way, if you guys haven't seen the pictures of this on Facebook or anywhere else, this place looks awesome. Uh, we actually drove by. This was right off Interstate 45 when uh, we were coming through Texas. Very impressive facility. Pretty much concrete everywhere. Uh, that event has been rescheduled now for June 1st through 3rd. Pre-entries, same as Farmington, uh, the Sunday free program for pre-entries. Pre-entries will be extended until May 21st. Yeah, so hopefully the IHRA, when they do get to the to the racetrack and get that Summit Sportsman Spectacular kicked off, uh, have some great events and uh, prove that uh, they made the right decision there. So racers support those races, all of those races. So, guys, that wraps us up. Uh, it's been a, been a fun episode. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. You know, we know, we know everybody's not basketball fans, but hopefully we tied that to 
racing experiences and, and types of people that you know, kept your interest and you enjoyed it. And I, I can't wait to see how it continues to play out as we move forward. Definitely want to say thanks to our guest, Lane Dickin. Uh, Lane was a great interview coming off a $100,000 win. Really cool to get a chance to sit down and chat with Lane. And thanks to our sponsors, the folks bring the show to you every week. We're very appreciative of Seabrook Performance, the AHRA, uh, fine folks at Portatree, and this is Bracket Racing Elite. We Maybe wrapped I up feel like last. You want to say something. I do, I do, I do. We wrapped up last episode with some. Sh- We're not big on shout outs. Like I, I kind of dug it. I, I'm, I'm going to get into shout outs. So, <laughs> shout out Johnny Ezel. Shout out to Britt Cummings for bringing some excitement into Sportsman Drag Racing. Shout out to Butt Hurt Guy. Okay. Uh, shout out to Cole Castillo. Late edition. Crosby, North Dakota. All right, I'm done. Cole Castile and Crosby, North Dakota, with a back-to-back shout-outs from the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Guys, we appreciate you listening. Definitely want you to tell us what you think. Uh, Message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Uh, Remember, tell us uh, who we need to tie to those number seven and lower seeds uh, for our uh, bracket moving forward. And tell us about the Bad Beat experience and tell us what the name of the bad beat guy is. You've got to have that name. Think of that butt hurt guy. Somebody's probably going to be thinking that up real quick and putting something together. I can't wait to see your example of that. <laughs> uh, definitely uh, reach out to us as well on Twitter. Luke, as he mentioned earlier, is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. And I am at JP11X. And uh, again, thanks for listening, guys. Been a lot of fun this show. I can't wait to see how the next one goes. And we look forward to talking to you all next week. Yeah, if you've made it through an hour and a half, man, we love you guys. Give us, <laughs> go, go ahead. I mean, we've asked enough of you today, but five-star ratings, positive comments, help the podcast grow. <laughs> we appreciate you guys for listening. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty switch and be like Jerry Pennington. 2018 has more big dollar events than ever. And those are feet. Those. Yeah. Woo. All right. Starting off good. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> It's not perfect. (laughs) (coughs) Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100-plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, 
This is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.